Hello, you're listening to the Rock Paper Shotgun Electronic Wireless Show. I'm Brendan. We're doing a different format for the next few episodes. Normally we would just talk amongst ourselves about the games that we've been playing. This time we're going to be talking to developers about the games that they've created. We're going to be bunching them together and picking a particular topic or theme to talk about. This week we've got the creators of cyber espionage thriller Orwell and 1979 Revolution Black Friday, an adventure game set in Iran. We're going to be talking to both of them about politics and a little bit of history as well. Taylor from Osmotic Studios, the creators of Orwell, and Navid Konsari from Ink Stories. They're the creators of 1979 Revolution Black Friday. Um, hello, hello. First of all, I'm just going to get you guys to explain your games in a sentence or two, if you can, very, very briefly, just for anyone who doesn't know what it is. So starting with you, Mel. Okay. Um, yeah, Orwell is a privacy invasion thriller, we call it. And it's um, it lets the player investigate online data of certain target people. It starts off with um, recruiting the player as a government agent who gets um, the assignment to to find out about a terror attack that has um, occurred in a fictional country called the Nation, and um, he's supposed to find out through going through people's online data and he's assigned a certain target people and from there um, a story is told about an activist group that is is very involved in uh, topics like uh, privacy and online data and uh, the government regime and sort of protests against them yeah and it's it's um, supposed to make the player pretty much uncomfortable the more and more he goes through this private data. Okay, and uh, Navi, what's 1979 Revolution all about? Uh, 1979 Revolution is a cinematic choose-your-own-adventure game, uh, but it's actually based on the real events of the 1979 Iranian Revolution, um, and you play as a, a young a student who's come back home for the summer, an aspiring photographer, and as the streets of uh, Iran kind of erupt in revolution, you have to try to navigate not just the streets, but also your own morality and try to determine which side of the revolution you stand on. And the choices that you make have an impact as you go from being a hero of the revolution to being considered its uh, public enemy number one uh, once the new regime sets in and you're being interrogated. And it's all based on real people's experience. It's what we're referring to as a verite game, a hybrid of documentary and video game. 
So both are exploring a lot of political questions, and there's a lot of different choices to make in both of them. But I guess I wanted to know why use a game particularly to raise those questions over any other medium like a documentary or a book or whatever? What are the benefits of using a game? I think a game is a great uh, medium to use for things like that because it's interactive and you actually get to play certain roles and to relate to people um, in a much deeper sense than you could with a medium like like film. I think it's it's different if you have to make the choices yourself and have to interact yourself. And so I think it's actually a good way of uh, making people think about topics like that. I think, uh, you know, in, in, in line with that, uh, in line with what Melanie is saying, I think the, the we have a, an incredible tool uh, known as interactive experiences that can really leave a much uh, greater impression on people than anything else that we have in, in media or in literature. And I think literally putting somebody in the shoes of, of, of some, of another person who experienced that particular historical moment, um, is more powerful as a game and being forced to make choices that people actually did. And the reality of it takes something that, um, you might not necessarily be able to connect with and makes it very, very personal for you. And, and I think now more than ever, uh, games and interactivity uh, and, and that deep experience are needed because we're watching news right now via Facebook, via all these feeds, and within you know half an hour, 45 minutes, a day later, we've moved on. There's been no impression left, and, and interactivity is something that engages people in conversations far beyond that moment that they've had that experience. So they've both got a, a political bite to them, both of your games. But they're very different in, in a lot of ways. Orwell, I guess, is like a present-day vision of government surveillance in a country that doesn't exist but easily could. And then 1979 Revolution is more like a history lesson kind of made into a game. But they're, yeah, they're both political. I was wondering, with Orwell, for example, Melanie, did you set out to try and prove a single point political message at all? Well, we tried very hard to um, sort of not push the player in a certain direction. I mean, of course, um, obviously calling the game Orwell, it sort of um, sends a message and is, is sort of critical of surveillance. And and obviously that's kind of the direction we're hoping the player is going for. But um, it's it's supposed to be rather subtle because we we don't like it when... Uh, games or media in general sort of um, tries to put a some kind of moral in front of people and just like take it or leave it and we we really wanted the player to experience uh, what it would be like and ask questions about um, data privacy themselves so uh, we were hoping that the player would um, yeah relate to the characters and get more and more uncomfortable um, with what he's doing, actually. And, um, yeah, and uh, at the later stage of the game, the um, characters actually notice they are being uh, surveyed, and um, that's that's the time when, yeah, you sort of ask yourself, um, is this the right thing 
that I'm doing. And you see directly, you sort of um, can directly see the influence you have on people's lives, which is quite an impact. And with Black Friday, likewise, was there a single message there that you wanted to li- deliver before anything else, Navi? Um, I think the, the the only message that we wanted to kind of deliver, if you want to call it a message, was just to, to, to kind of open people's eyes, to introduce people's eyes to what's taking place. You know, um, most people are kind of have, have might not even know or uh, are familiar with, with, with what took place to kind of create the first nation, the first Islamic theocracy uh, in the world in the 20th century and what really became the roots of what pitted the West uh, against the, the Middle East. And, and I think for us, our message was, if you take a, if you, if you t- take a look at this, experience this, Maybe you can understand a little bit more about where we're at now, but also just on a universal level, um, these, this is the, the natural trajectory of, of how a revolution works. So, you know, I think revolutions are erupting around the globe presently, uh, you know, uh, at an incredible rate. You take a look at, you know, Ukraine, you take a look at the Arab Springs, you take a look at what was taking place in, uh, in Venezuela, like all of these places. And, and there's a common theme that takes place. So for us to, to take something that seems, you know, very kind of just news, newsworthy, and make it personal is what the what, what was what our goal was. But in terms of the message, it was never, especially when you're doing something that's political. There was never any intent to try to say, you know, this side or that side. It was like take the journey and make your own decisions. We're going to provide you with that narrative that allows you to kind of navigate it. But the choices are yours. The ownership of the experience is yours. Whatever you choose, you're going to be much better off uh, having experienced it. And, and knowing about what's actually has an impact on your world today. Yeah, um, and it's all based on real people. Like there's a point where you go into your character, the main character Reza's home, and there's yeah. family photographs, and they're all real photos. Um, yeah, Which makes exactly. me wonder how, how, what's true of the story, and you know, where did you take creative license? Because you must have had to take some creative license because there's multiple branches of story. Well, I mean, it's funny, you know, when we, we did over 40 interviews to kind of start determining what the story was. I mean, we, we, we understood the, the histor- historical kind of trajectory of what took place, but that was never really our, our, our focus. Our focus was, was the personal experiences. And, and quite often, in, in a lot of the choices that you do come across are, are based on people's experiences and, um, the common struggle between, uh, amongst family members, mother and father being concerned about their son's, uh, safety and welfare, um, the older brother who's, who's a member of the military, the younger brother who's trying to figure it out, the, you know, the distant cousin who, who who's a hardcore gorilla. I mean, these were common stories that were kind of coming about. So we actually, you know, the, the, the liberties that we, we took, um, creatively, was to take all of these people's kind of experiences and create that one narrative. And if you take a look at, um, you know, you take a look at the pictures in the room that you're talking about, you take a look at the, the, the home movies, you take a look at, uh, some of the references to, to music and the pictures and so forth. 
this is also a reflection of the, a number of people who donated these pictures based on their experiences. They donated those uh, family movies. They donated those personal home pictures. So it's all quite simply, you know, based on on a larger truth of the experience of the 35 million people that were in Iran during the revolution and kind of brought into and then put on a larger scale of what was the also political uh, situation and uh, and the political conflict at the time. There are also smaller details, like you said, not just photographs, but like flyers and graffiti and stuff like that. And there mm -hmm. are many games that try to teach history in as much detail as that. Um, like for Iran, I can only think of the cat and the coup, which is about mm -hmm. an earlier period in, in Iran's history um, in the same century. But um, do you think more games should take history seriously in a way? I think it's a, I think it's it's a, it's a great opportunity. I mean, we're, we we've seen history in games, you know, or some would say references to history. You know, you take a look at the Call of Duties; they were still, you know, you were still, you know, uh, running onto the beaches of Normandy, but all you were doing was killing a whole bunch of people and then getting to that, uh, you know, getting to that next kind of uh, plot point and then getting that next mission. So references have always been key um, to kind of. Uh, ground some of these uh, experiences in, in, in history. Um, but I think that, um, I think, you know, our goal with 1979 is to do exactly what you're saying is like, we weren't here just to make a game. We wanted to create 1979 to start creating a movement, which we're referring to as Verite games, which is games based on, uh, on historical and, and personal experience. And some of them might date back to the 1979 revolution. Some of them could date back centuries and some of them could, could be just as relevant as, you know, what, what took place last week. So I think that, um, we would be underserving ourselves as gamers, as a community, if we don't try to push the medium that we love into exploring different genres. Yeah, well, to talk about history a little more as well, Germany has its own fairly recent history of surveillance, or at least half of it does. Yeah. Um, is, that, is that topic something that makes a lot of regular German people, even people who might not be gamers, um, uneasy or angry? Mm. Well, it depends. Um, I think what you're referring to is probably the German uh, Democratic Republic and the Stasi, that which was the most recent um, example of very strong surveillance, and that, um, of course, uh, people from the from Eastern Germany at the time were mostly affected by that. But um, yeah, I think uh, generally speaking. Uh, the awareness for that is still very high, but it's sort of fading. And um, we actually, um, one of the inspirations for Orwell, or one that I, I always like to mention, is a movie called The Life of the Others. I don't know if you've yeah, seen it. That's a, a very, movie. yeah, that's a, a really good um, movie that shows how this Stasi agent. Um, sort of got more and more involved with the people he was actually spying on and how he um, yeah, f started feeling guilty about it and even started ha helping them. And it's uh, very interesting to see how he um, gets so involved in their private lives that he actually um, uh, feels sorry for them. And, um, yeah, we were hoping to have a similar effect in Orwell that you... Um, go through the data and sort of 
you understand why people act like they act if you go through such private things. And also, um, it's uh, it's different from being in a room and just listening to what they're saying uh, than to go through their online data because some things that you, I don't know, talk about uh, in messengers or post somewhere or have any documents you have on, a, on your computer, it can be much more private than anything you would ever say to anybody else. And that um, can be really scary. Uh, I think there was one interview with Edward Snowden where he said something like, if you put keywords into into your uh, browser and Google something, then it can almost be like reading someone's mind because often we just think of things and then we put them in Google a second later and um, nobody thinks about um, whether somebody is reading that or not. And yeah, it's a very different kind of surveillance that is possible nowadays in comparison to when the Stasi was there. Yeah, I mean, and that's actually very scary. And um, it's important to think about things like that and to, yeah, sort of get more involved in that and actually think about the consequences. And yeah, yeah, it's significant that some of the the, the activists in your game are they're called thought and they talk about how thoughts are supposed to be free, but as soon as they type them down, you, you know, because you're not considering who might be listening. It's it's almost like you're just typing out your thoughts, exactly like Snowden said. Yeah, and um, he also said that um, it was important to him that the internet stays free and that um, you you are able to discuss your thoughts freely without being um, discriminated or without looking guilty to anyone in any way. And um, yeah, that's that's. Uh, an important topic too and um but it's not only about uh, what the NSA or some government um would make of things you say online but also uh what other people think about that and uh, how they judge you because of that and that's another thing that that a lot of people don't think about and it's sort of um yeah interesting to see um how you judge these characters without even knowing them on the one hand, but on the other hand, knowing them very well. And also you're sort of very distant as a player from this world because you don't actually live there. So it's, yeah, very outside of the system. And um, it possibly makes you yourself think more about, yeah, what, what you post on blogs or in public or, or even in private conversations. Yeah, I mean, one of the, I think one of the most memorable bits for me was you uh, are supposed to be researching uh, a character and her parents have got a website for all of their children where they're basically um, <laughs> kind of doing a huge amount of self-promotion <laughs> to avoid calling a boasting <clears throat> about yeah. all, all their daughters and you find as the investigator all of the information that you would need to bring back to your boss. Um, in those parents' things, it's like it's like pride, or you know, you, your pride is yeah. co is is actually something that's causing you trouble in the long run. Yeah, yeah, it's also interesting to see how um, the same person has different um, profiles or ways 
of presenting themselves online. Like the character that um, is in this on this family website, she also is in that band, and the band website so, sort of shows a very different um, side of her. But she's also in a in a corporation that actually has a website too, where she looks sort of very yeah very conservative and um you sort of know all these different aspects of one person i mean both both of the games are about political freedoms in a way uh rez's character in black friday is a photographer and his photos are constantly being fought over by multiple factions in some cases they're suppressed or used against his will he doesn't even want to be involved in that he just wants to take photos sometimes what I really wanted to know is how effective do you think that your games turned out? Like, Navid, will 1979 Revolution convince anybody of a political point if that's what you wanted the game to do? You know, are you optimistic about any changes or education it will make to someone's mind? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, I, am I optimistic? Absolutely. And, and if anything, you know, we're going to double down on this and, we're looking forward to not only just doing a follow-up to 1979, but also we have a, a number of other projects, uh, one specifically that we're, we're very much interested in and going out to publishers for, which deals with what took place in the late 60s and early 1970s here in the U.S. And I think it's now more than ever extremely relevant as we find ourselves in, in, in a similar situation as the streets are filled with protest. Um and, and, and wanting change and, 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 and trying to stand up towards your government. And, and I think that um, the the conversations that you see in the threads, the, the fact that people are um, recognizing that Iran was a totally different nation prior to the 1979 revolution and that the images that they've seen in news of women covered up in veils and, and mullahs is not what everybody was like or that the revolution really was about bringing about change, but not necessarily that the change that they fought for. I think all of these are, are, are ways that people are being enlightened, um, regardless of their political uh, affiliation to, to what took place. And there's something very humanistic about that, I think. Um, but you know, the, the game was just used, uh, in a UNESCO paper for how games can have an impact in conflict resolution. Uh, I get emails from um, Iranians who have been born outside of Iran who uh, for the first time are engaging in conversations with their parents about a moment that they don't want to talk about and and sit down with their parents and, and can play the play the game and and I think that's having an impact uh, that we want to kind of see. Having uh, people from Iran and across the Middle East also reach out to us and say that this is the first time I see myself as a protagonist that has a positive impact rather than looking the typical enemy number one, two, three, and four and getting gunned down. These are all positive elements of what we're creating. Having a female character in the Middle East as a leader of the revolution. These are all the things that you can, you know, through experience and through the visual cues that are in the game are having a positive impact. And I think um, I, what I hope for is that we actually get the major players that are in this uh, in this arena of games to understand that uh, this is a viable market. This is something that 
if their concern is the bottom line of the dollar will have an impact as as we grow globally as an audience. And so, you know, this is just the tip of the iceberg for us here at Ink Stories. Um, you know, and, and we praise the work like what Melanie has done, which is bringing, you know, people's attention to to what's taking place and, and starting a conversation. I, look, I, I worked on, on on many, many games like like Grand Theft Auto, Alan Wake and so forth. And I and, and don't get I play those games like nobody's business. But I also think that we work in a medium that allows us to also engage in experiences that can be real and can open your eyes and make you think because our audiences are that sophisticated enough to be able to do both. And so we're excited about just scratching the surface on what we think is going to be, excuse the pun, a, a real revolution in gaming. Your own parents and you moved from Iran to the U.S. when you were younger. Is that right? That's right. We yeah. actually moved to uh, Canada uh, right after the revolution, just um, during the U.S. hostage crisis. So how much of that sense of chaos or change or even more down-to-earth parts of the Iranian streets is recognizable to you? All of it. You know, I mean, I, I was fortunate, fortunate enough to have my grandfather take me out to the streets when I was 10 years old to see see it, to see what was taking place. And and that's why when people are like, well, when, when we get comments about, you know, what's the political agenda or people are like, oh, it's too far right or too far left. The story comes out of the, 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 the opinions and mind of a 10 year old. You know, that's that's the experience that I knew. And I saw joy and I saw happiness and the positive and hope in, in bringing about change and then saw that get turned into uh, a, a violence on the street that that saw civilians and soldiers in the hospital dead. Um, and then an outcome that was not in line with either of those two experiences. So. For me, it was uh, to, 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 to try to push forth a new genre, the only step I could take and the only thing I could do was to convey something that was close to me because that limited the risk of all the other chances that we were taking. So um, for me, it's absolute, you know, it was it, it was key. You know, those home movies that you see, those are that's my grandfather shot that on Super 8 when, oh, we were, really? when I was going. That's me oh, on my wow. first day of school. You know, in, in terms of that, the, the, the woman you see in the opening titles uh, swimming in a bikini on the Caspian Sea is my mother. And then there's images of, you know, of, of, of other people that I know who, from the same generation who are then covered up uh, later on in, 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 in the game. So um, for, for me, this was uh, a, a great uh, ability to kind of reflect uh, what was happening and and also be truthful to my own experience, which is I was 10 years old. I don't I didn't understand politics then. I didn't know what theocracy, yet alone you know uh, a dictatorship, yet alone you know the, the religious ruling parties. I didn't know any of that. I just understood the vibe of people, and the vibe of people was like we're going to bring about change. We're going to change the country we're living in. There's a sense of pride, and then that pride started seeing uh, fractures in it, and that led into my opinion is greater than your opinion. And then it led to not only a, a toppling of, of, of a dictator, but also a, a power, a, a vacuum in the power there. And those who were the most manipulative, those who were, who were the strongest, those who were, who were the most powerful came in and seized that power. So 
you know, I think that uh, I think I ranted on a little too long here because no, I fine. get excited no, about it. No, I definitely but, think uh, it's. Sorry, go on. No, I was just gonna say. In, in the end, I I, I believe that uh, experiences, games, books, films that are the most effective and are appreciated by audiences um, comes from the creators putting uh, their heart and soul, but. A, a, a mantra of, of what they believe in in it and uh, I think that we are all very 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 similar and we follow similar trajectories in our history and if you can experience it in the game I hope it has an, it has an impact on, on the decisions that you make in the future and we have the medium more than anything else I know I've said this to actually do that and I think we we do ourselves a disservice by not by not being aggressive with our approach or trying to change change the narrative for all of us. Yeah, I definitely think um, it's a super educational game. A lot of the small tidbits and things I, be things I wouldn't know or wouldn't even know to look up. To return to the question of how effective you think your games turned out, with, or, with Orwell, Melanie, for example, yeah. I, I know from my own harping on about internet surveillance and security and stuff like that that many, many people are apathetic about it. Do you find that it's a struggle to try and educate people about that, or do you find the opposite? Um, yeah, definitely. I think um, it's also like, I mean, um, when I grew up, the internet wasn't such a big thing yet, but like the next generations, they're growing up with it, and they are being more and more careless about it. And uh, I think it's important to sort of keep keep this subject uh keep people talking about it and um yeah it's a game is a very good way of doing this and just like navid said i totally agree with you it's a uh, uh, games are a wonderful medium to make people relate to each other in a very special way and yeah even if if uh, they feel like people from other countries are, are very far away culturally and um you can you can sort of make make people relate to each other, and it's the same with with um, the data surveillance thing. Um, I think if you are put yourself in the role of somebody who actually um, decides whether someone is guilty or not based on their data, then you the next time you sit in front of the computer and post things on Facebook, you might think a bit more about. Um, whether somebody judges you because yeah. of what you're doing, I think and yeah, it's it's just the experience that's important. Yeah, I mean, I guess one of the problems is that if you if you know you're being surveilled, then you start to change what it is that you're writing or what it is that you're talking about. You start to self censor yourself, and that in itself is a problem, right? Right. Yeah, that's that's uh, related. On the one hand, you shouldn't. I, I think you shouldn't be too careless about it one way or the other. But on the other hand, um, like we we once had an interview with a journalist who who told us he lived in America and um, he had a green card and he was actually from the UK. And before he got his green card, he was um, reluctant to uh, write anything critical of uh, of politics or whatever. And um, that's scary. <laughs> and um, yeah, and the more uh, the more this NSA subject um, is in the media, the more scary this gets. And 
yeah, now that Trump is president of the U.S., I think this might become more relevant, actually. Yeah, yeah. I guess I guess we'd have to talk about Trump talking about politics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> we don't have to. We don't have no, to. No, 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 no. Usually, <laughs> usually we try to keep um, RPA as a, as a kind of bastion, a safe place that people don't can go where they don't have to, you know, suffer the this this maelstrom of news. Uh, but but I can, think. But I think that I think that you know people are going to Trump. The the, the continual pushback from the from the Trump and Trump supporters is like that. Um, we're basically watering everything down by trying to be politically correct. So I, I say let's not be politically correct and let's actually engage in political discussions. Uh, so I'm all all for it. And 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 I'll just say w one thing in terms of like in regards to this, because I'm personally being impacted by what's taking place uh, at the present moment with the ban and not allowed to leave the country because I have no confidence uh, or reassurance that I'll be allowed back in because I'm an Iranian national with a green card and a Canadian citizenship. But I want to bring, I don't, I want to put my, my troubles are, are, are minute compared to so many others, but the larger issue at hand, and this is taking place not just in the U.S., this is taking place in the UK, it's in France, it's in Germany, it's it's becoming a global phenomenon, which is we're trying to draw these distinctions between who we are. And as a result, that and saying that these certain group of people are more in line with doing terrorist acts or not terrorist acts or this particular religion. But if you actually take a look at a video game, right, bringing it down to that, when you buy a video game, you don't know who worked on that game. No. In fact, out of all the mediums, the people that are least credited <laughs> of people knowing who actually worked on the experience or who are the teams that make video games. And if you take a look at those teams, they're actually quite diverse. And if you start removing parts of that team because of these beliefs, these, these, these racist beliefs, then what you're actually doing is you're making a game that couldn't be as good because you're removing elements of that team that can make that game better. And it's really, and, and that, in my opinion, is a perfect example of, of our world. If we start actually um, subjugating people to uh, being excluded and banned, we're actually going to be not as great as we can be because every part, every part of that, every cog on that wheel allows that wheel to turn. You remove a few of those cogs, the ride gets bumpier. It's not as enjoyable. In games, I think, I mean, I've worked with teams here in the U.S., uh, across Europe, and have had, have had multiple teams with, like, massive ethnicity, sexual orientation. Thank God for, 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 for the gender factor, and we've got more women involved and people uh, who, who identify themselves, and, and, and yet... The, the experience has been great. It's, it, nobody cares about who made what game. They just want to make sure the game's good. All yeah, do is and on a, even on a purely selfish level, as a as a player of games, the Muslim ban, you know, to call it more or less what it is, is mm -hmm. a it's a hugely disruptive thing. You got Rami Ishmael, one of the developers at Vlambeer, yeah, said recently wrote an article saying that he feels now like the U.S. is closed for business because he travels so often to. Yeah. conferences and stuff like that and if a huge portion of the 
these people can't even go to a conference to show their game or work on their game or build relationships with other developers, then it's just going to have a negative effect. And that's just one industry, you know? Um, Absolutely. But uh, I don't know. I don't know how to fix that. Well, uh, I mean, I, 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 I think, I, I think you, you do. And I think you, you, you are, and we are, it's, we are seeing people, this is a discussion that we need to have. And, and this is a discussion that we need to own and having this particular stage, um, whether, whether, whether people are angry with what we're saying or, or they're happy with what we're saying, it's going to fuel that discussion. We, we can no longer be passive. We need to be active regardless of where you stand. At least if we become active, we will get to the, the conclusion that we require. And I think that um, standing on the, being silent, standing on the sides or watching things roll out is not going to help anyone. We need people like Rami. We need all kinds of people to be a part of this industry so that we can become better, so we can have more fun and we can play games, but also learn and grow. So why, why would you limit, like, why would you limit yourself to fewer teachers because of the color of their skin? Yeah, it just, definitely. It's, it's, it's just, it's, it's not, it's not the way that we should be evolving. We are going backwards and that, and, yeah. we, need to, and we need to discuss it and we need to be vocal and we need to make sure that we, we bring about this change. And I'm sorry, I'm ranting. It's just like, <laughs> I, 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 it's something that I, I'm very, very passionate about and something that I feel needs to be passed on to a lot of people that are playing games. If you care about games, if you enjoy games, understand that there's a rainbow of people making those games. So you should stand up or your next game's not going to be as good. Melanie, like your game makes you a surveillance officer. You know, you're not the victim. You're the perpetrator, uh, which gives it a different power. And Papers, Please kind of does the same kind of thing, which you could almost take Papers, Please and just replace it with, you know, a U.S. customs official and yeah. have a similar kind of story, couldn't you? Yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting. I mean, I think uh, that games like Papers, Please are very relevant uh, nowadays more than ever as well. And I think it's it's really great that uh, more and more games pick up on on things like that, on political themes because um I, I completely agree with Navi that that um the gaming industry is sort of uh, not very evolved in that in that particular area and that there could be much more going on and I'm really glad that there is more going on and and I feel like um that games are getting more and more diverse and more interesting in terms of uh, politics or actually all kinds of other subjects as well um, I think uh, with Orwell um, being the government agent yourself, it gives you a sort of different perspective on this whole data surveillance and data privacy thing. And um, games are a good way of putting people in new roles that they haven't experienced before. And um, this different perspective, I think, um, is very important because um, you get to know the other side and it sort of um, makes you think a bit more about it. I'm a big fan of games that make you slowly realize that something's just not quite right <laughs> in what you're doing. Um, yeah, it, with with Papers Please, it was it was a bit different because um, you actually have uh, you you have to like feed your own family, and you, I think you get less money if you let in the wrong people, and so you have consequences for yourself in in, in your role as a player. But uh, we didn't do that on purpose because we 
wanted the player to get these things to his mind himself without uh, having actual uh, damage caused by the game. So it's a pure um, conscious decision or yeah, decision on what what you want to happen actually. You might have, I mean, this this is possibly true for both of the games, but you might have in that case a player who plays without even seeing that side of it at all and just playing it through as a you know in a voyeuristic yes, way. In the same definitely. way, in the same way that you might have someone play uh, Black Friday and not even not even see the 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 deeper discussion or the deeper history and play it through on a surface level, you know, as a, as a kind of telltale kind of game in the real world. Yeah, but that's that's a sort of the beauty of games. Also, you you get to choose as a player, and um, I mean, of course, um, it it influences you in in a way, but you get to choose in which way it influences you. And um, I think if if you choose to do that as a player, then that's the way you choose it to be. All right, um, I think we're gonna leave it there, guys. Okay. But thank you both very much for being here. Uh, again, this is Melanie Taylor from Osmotic Studios and Navid Kansari from Ink Stories. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you for the interview. It was very nice. You've been listening to the Rock Paper Shotgun Electronic Wireless Show with me, Brendan. And that jaunty RPG town music that you're listening to is by Jack DeKeep. We're going to be continuing with this format over the next few episodes. Next time we'll be talking to the creators of two visual novels. One of them's Lady Killer in a Bind and the other one is One Night Stand. We'll be talking to them about sex in games and how that gets represented. Whether it's good or bad or just okay. So I hope you can all join us for that again. <laughs>